Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. The lockdown continues. We're still not past the peak of this virus. So please, continue to follow the advice now more than ever. A heartfelt message from the Prime Minister. I've today left hospital after a week in which the NHS has saved my life. No question. It's hard to find words to express my debt. And why is Germany's mortality rate so much lower than the UK's? This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis. The government says it doesn't expect to relax or lift the UK's lockdown measures later this week. Foreign Secretary Dominic Raab, who's standing in for Boris Johnson, says the data shows there are positive signs, but the UK isn't past the peak of the outbreak. This week, SAGE will review the evidence of the effectiveness of the social distancing measures that we've taken, and we will consider their evidence, uh, their assessment, based on the evidence at that point. I should say we don't expect to make any changes to the measures currently in place at that point, and we won't, until we're confident, as confident as we realistically can be, that any such changes can be safely made. It comes as the UK death toll passed 11,000, placing the country in the five worst hit in the world. This Thursday marks three weeks since the government placed the UK into lockdown. That means we're due an official review of the social distancing measures. The government's scientific advisers have said they won't ease lockdown measures until there's a downward trend in the number of new coronavirus cases. If the lockdown's lifted too early, there's a high risk of a second wave of cases which would put the health service under strain. Today, Dominic Raab wouldn't give details of how the UK might eventually start to lift its lockdown, but the NHS has started testing a contact tracing app and it could be a key tool. The app is based on similar successful models already seen in places such as Singapore. It'll give users real-time alerts if they've had close contact with someone diagnosed with COVID-19. The Telegraph's social media correspondent Mike Wright has more. The way we understand it will work will be quite similar to some of the versions we've seen in Asia. People will download it onto their phone and then the app will use the Bluetooth connection of that person's phone to then kind of monitor when it comes into contact close proximity with another phone for a certain period of time. And if two phones that have the app uh, on them kind of come into that proximity, they'll kind of make a note of it, make a log on the phone saying, well, we've come into contact. The idea then, from what we understand with the NHS version, is that when someone is then diagnosed with COVID-19, they will then get a code from the NHS, which they will put into the app. 
and that code will then set off an alert and it will go and uh, send an alert to all the phones that is logged that it has close contact with, essentially telling the owners of those phones, you have had close contact with someone who has now been diagnosed, get themselves isolating before they're even showing symptoms, which is a, a key part when they can be sort of spreading COVID-19 to other people. There are kind of two things that an app like this relies on. The first being that people are being tested for COVID-19 because obviously you have to have a positive diagnosis to input that into the app to get your code and to tell other people that they've come into contact with someone who's got a confirmed diagnosis. That would require more testing than we're doing at the moment. And the other thing really is that it requires widespread participation in the app. Can you talk a bit about the limits if people don't participate and are there plans to make this compulsory? So you're absolutely right. The, this app will only be effective if it's used at scale, if if hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people download the app and are using it. And the way it's described to us is that, you know, contact tracing app can be a very powerful tool in helping to stem the spread of coronavirus, but it's not a kind of a total solution to the problem. It has to work with other uh, measures in place, one of which would be mass testing. So Within that respect, it, it is a tool, or the, albeit potentially a powerful one. In terms of getting the mass take up, the way you know, kind of the conversations we understand conversations are going is, you know, Britain is a country that's kind of governed by consent, and I don't think there are any plans or any that we've learned of whereby this would be made compulsory. However, the, the NHS is is very keen that this does get taken up. But I think they're relying on a couple of factors. Firstly, I think there'll be a lot of there'll be a lot of motivation within the population to download this app if if it means that it helps you get alerts to find out if you've been near someone who's had COVID nineteen and potentially give you the information so that you can self isolate and not spread it. And the vast vast majority of people, you know, want to do their bit and don't want to be spreading this virus. Um, and also, you know, it hasn't even got a name yet. The only thing I think that we know about what this app will be called is it'll have the NHS branding in it. So the idea is that this will be you know the official branded app that will probably get the full weight of government promotion behind it as and when it gets deployed Spain and Italy are the world's worst hit countries, but this week both will begin lifting restrictions. Spain has started to relax some of its measures as it enters its second month of lockdown and its number of new cases continues to drop. Some businesses that can't operate remotely are now allowed to open. It's sparking criticism from some regional leaders who fear a resurgence of the virus that has already claimed over 17,500 lives in the country. Italy, which has also seen a steady decline in the number of new deaths reported is also expected to relax restrictions. Some businesses, including bookshops and shops selling children's clothes, can open from Tuesday. In New York, which has seen more than 9,000 deaths, leaving it just behind the four worst affected countries, Governor Andrew Cuomo was honest about the challenges of making such decisions. It is a delicate balance. And remember, it has never been done before. None of this has been done before. So anyone who says to you, oh, I know what we should do, I know, yeah, you don't know because nobody knows. And that's the one thing that we have learned over and over again. And this place has never done this before. Also, you look around the world, you see warning signs from countries who have opened. And my point is to our team, I want to learn from those other countries. 
One of the difficult things about comparing how different countries are coping with the virus is that in countries with high levels of testing, they have a better sense of how many people actually have the virus. And so the percentage of those who sadly die seems lower. According to data from John Hopkins University, around 12.5% of those confirmed to have coronavirus in the UK are dying. Compare that with Germany's mortality rate of just 2.5%. Germany's lockdown measures are less strict than the UK's. Non-essential shops are closed and there's a ban on gatherings of more than two people. But you can go outside as many times as you like, as long as you maintain social distancing. Several listeners, including Paul and Stephanie, emailed in to ask about the low German death rate. So I asked our Berlin correspondent, Justin Hugler, whether it was simply down to high levels of testing. That's basically what the scientists in charge of the German programme for this are telling us, that they think that the the main reason is simply that they're testing more. And so they they think they're closer to the real death rate uh, than than other countries because they're detecting more of the less serious infections by testing more people. But there are other factors, although, although that's the biggest factor, according to them. Germany got its act together earlier than the UK. Uh, It identified that a problem was coming. They developed tests very early, so they weren't scrambling to get testing kits ready. They already had lots of them. Once people are in hospital, they have more intensive care beds, so they don't run out. They don't get the shortages you saw in Italy, which is when the death rate really spikes because doctors can't give the care that patients need. And they've been aided in this by a very decentralised system where there's not a single authority making every decision the way there is in the UK. There's no system like the NHS here. Uh, Hospitals and doctors are independent and the bills are paid by public health insurance funds. But individual GPs are able to send their patients for tests without going to any higher authority. Uh, And the individual hospitals are making the calls on what they need to do. Uh, and, and also in, in terms of, uh, of a lockdown, it's being decided by regional governments with guidance from the central government. But it, it, everything is not done from one central authority. If you have a question you'd like one of our journalists to answer, maybe you're not sure exactly how to interpret the data or perhaps you'd just like some advice on how to get a food delivery if you fall into one of the high risk categories. Email us. It's coronaviruspodcast at telegraph.co.uk. And if you send me a voice memo, you might even hear your voice on the show. I've today left hospital after a week in which the NHS has saved my life. No question. Boris Johnson has returned to Chequers after a week in hospital of which he spent three nights in intensive care. In a heartfelt video message, he paid tribute to the NHS staff at St Thomas's Hospital in London. It's hard to find words to express my debt. I want to pay my own thanks to the utterly brilliant doctors, leaders in their fields, uh, men and women, but several of them for some reason called Nick, who took some crucial decisions a few days ago, which I will be grateful for the rest of my life. The Prime Minister tested negative for the virus before being discharged. A large-scale report in China found 51% of critically ill patients are surviving, and early research suggests the UK seeing a similar figure, with 49% of those admitted to intensive care eventually being discharged. And while Boris Johnson's video of thanks has been viewed over 10 million times on his Twitter profile alone, there are plenty of other patients with stories not dissimilar to his. This week, I've spoken to several people who found themselves in the same situation. Here's what they had to say to the people who saved their lives. 
Just sending a huge, huge, huge thank you. You wonderful people have saved my life over and over again. And um, you're just wonderful. And not just the nursing care, but the friendship and the little things, the little extra things that you do in those terrible times of crisis. Thank you so much for your laughs, your jokes, your energy and your oxygen. I'm so grateful. Thank you. I'd just like to say thanks to all of the NHS staff. You all saved my life and my family and I will always be grateful for you. You're all my heroes. I'd like to thank the NHS for saving my life. They did a fantastic job when I was there, whether that be the doctors, nurses, healthcare assistants, all of them. It was touch and go for a while. I didn't think I was going to make it home, but they got me back on my feet. And, you know, the bottom line, they got me home to my family. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you. This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis and I'll be back on Tuesday evening with another update. In the meantime, you can access all of our news, analysis, advice, culture, business, politics and much, much more on The Telegraph website completely free for the first 30 days of your subscription. Go to telegraph.co.uk slash audio. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.